Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you're with us again this week and hope that you're ready to study the Bible, learn a little bit more about your Bible. That's what we do here for 30 minutes each week is answer as many questions as we can. And we get our questions from our viewing audience. A little different kind of religious TV program here. We let you tell us what you'd like us to talk about instead of just telling you what we think you need to know. Uh, we let you direct the program. So you'll see a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. Use those anytime to get in touch with us. Tell us what's on your mind and what you'd like us to talk about. And we'll get to them just as quickly as we can. Uh, when I say we, I mean my partner Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Good morning. Steve. And I'm Steve Tandy, and we're here to answer your questions. So, uh, but we always start with one for you. So, see if you know a little bit of Bible, and then we'll take over. Uh, how many brothers did Joseph have? Joseph in the Old Testament. Uh, Joseph with the coat of many colors. How many brothers did he have? And we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you know some Bible information. All right. Viewer wants to know where to find something in the Bible. Toby, well, you got the first one here. Yes, we always appreciate these questions. Where does it say once saved, always saved? And the answer is it does not say that in the Bible. That's a term, a simple, uh, succinct way of, of sort of uh, speaking of a doctrine that people ascribe to, that they believe uh, that Scripture points to. Now, there are sort of two sides of this issue. Can you, uh, once a person is saved, or do they remain always saved, or can one lose their salvation? Can one fall away from grace? And we have to look at this scripturally. We have to step outside of, of thinking, just locking ourselves into a doctrine or a creed or a teaching and look at this biblically. So, the first one I'll show you is the closest scripture that I could think of that kind of helps us understand the idea of eternal security. John chapter 10, 27 through 29, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I shall give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Okay, now some people would read that and say, well, see, there you go. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. But you have to look at the beginning of that. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. Okay, they're, they're, uh, you think about just the visual of sheep. There are sheep that follow the shepherd, and then there are sheep that kind of obstinately go off on their own way. Okay, so the sheep that are following Jesus, yes, they are secure. They, if they're doing what Jesus has told them to do, if they're listening, if they're following Jesus, then they can be secure in their salvation. Now, what we like to say on this program, I always thought it makes good sense, is no one, no one can take away your salvation. But you can choose to give it up. Many did in Jesus' day. Many did 
Many did, many do today, sadly. Uh, you, you know, faith is a choice. You have to choose to listen to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to obey Jesus, to do what Jesus said to do. And uh, just, I mean, obviously the Lord wants you to do that, but for Him to force you to do that means you don't really have a choice in the matter. So we have a choice into the matter, and if we have a choice into the matter, then we have a choice out of the matter. So uh, we should be secure in our salvation in Jesus. I think there are people who are go around with the mindset of once saved, almost saved. I mean, they just never are sure. They're not sure if they're going to heaven. They're always worried. They're filled with fear. They're, they never feel like they do enough, and etc. And we understand that extreme is not good either. But the other extreme of saying, yes, I'm eternally secure, I, all I have to do is say I believe, and then I'm in, and I don't have to do anything, I have to change my life, I can just live how I want, <laughs> that's not right either. There's right here in the middle, which is exactly what Jesus said. So listen to Him, follow Him, obey Him. I'll give you one more verse that's not on the screen, First Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And then he goes on to say, No temptation has seized you except what's common, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Okay, We have to be constantly faithful and, and obedient to His Word. Every day there's going to be temptation. There's always, the enemy is always seeking us to, to pull us away from the Lord. Um, but that will only happen if we choose to disobey the Lord, choose to stop following Him. So, once saved, always saved, not in the Bible. When we look at it biblically, we need to understand that in Jesus we're eternally secure, but that's a choice we have to make every day to choose to follow Him. I hope that helps you. <clears throat> All right, got a question about the marriage. A viewer wants to know, when is it okay to remarry after a divorce? All right, let me tackle this one. First of all, the, the Bible doesn't give us that answer. It doesn't give us any time limits. Uh, it doesn't even really talk about divorce. Uh, about the only thing I could think of that's even close to answering this question is 1 Corinthians 7.39. Uh, Paul told the church in Corinth that if a husband dies, uh, that the woman's free to remarry. That ends that marriage bond. She can remarry. And he said, but she should marry in the Lord. She should marry another Christian. Uh, so he certainly didn't give a timeline, and he certainly wasn't talking about divorce. Uh, divorce and remarriage is a very interesting, uh, difficult topic because a lot of people take just a few verses and think they know all the answers and you can remarry, you can't remarry, this, that, and the other. Uh, if you really look at what the Bible says about divorce, uh, people were always trying to draw Jesus into that discussion. Is this all right? Is that all right? How about this? And Jesus' answer was always the same. He always said, here's what marriage is. In the beginning, my father said, a man and a woman uh, marry each other. They become one and they live together for life. And then somebody else would come along and try again. Well, how about this? You agree with this kind of divorce or this kind? And Jesus would say, in the beginning, God said this. He just went back to plan A. He said, this is the way it's supposed to be. He never discussed plan B. Now, we know plan B happens. 
Uh, people do get married and they don't stay together. There's good reasons, there's bad reasons, there's all kinds of reasons. And we know it's a fact of life. People don't always stay married. Jesus didn't discuss that. He just said, here's God's plan. So when we come to a plan B, when people have separated, have become divorced, the Bible doesn't give us instructions. Uh, My advice always is talk to uh, some spiritual leader, talk to uh, a preacher, talk to an elder, talk to uh, somebody that's been trained in biblical counseling and ask them about it, get their advice. Uh, There's so many different situations that I don't think anybody can write down a list of rules for for divorce and remarriage. But uh, let me answer the viewer's questions this way. When is it okay to remarry after a divorce? Uh, I think spiritually, uh, there's some that you shouldn't ever get remarried. Uh, Sometimes it's an option, but the Bible doesn't talk about how long. I believe if you went to a counselor, a marriage expert, I don't think you could ever find one that would tell you it's okay to get remarried in less than a year. Now, I realize that's arbitrary, and somebody will take exception with it, no matter what I said. Some people would say that's too long or too short. Uh, But from my experience, I don't think you could find any counselor that said, oh, yeah, it's a good idea to divorce and then get remarried real quickly. Uh, At least a year. Uh, Divorce is a traumatic thing. Uh, Also, according to things are going on in your life and to find somebody immediately and get married is, I think, asking for trouble. So uh, that would be my best advice is at least a year, and probably that's a bare minimum to think about it very hard and talk to a lot of experts, a lot of good counsel uh, before you try such a thing. So Bible can't answer it, but that's some worldly advice there, hopefully. All right. Uh, we have a, a- Sort of an interesting question to think about. A viewer wants to know, uh, what would have what would have happened if only Eve sinned and Adam stayed faithful to God? Well, uh, when I first saw that question, I went, well, I never really thought about it. We always know that Adam and Eve both sinned. Eve sinned first and gave some of this forbidden fruit to Adam, who her husband who was with her. Uh, they both, uh, their eyes were open. They felt shame. Uh, they hid from God. They, the consequences of sin came into play, we see all of that, know all of that. And this viewer says, well, okay, what would happen if one did and one didn't? What, what, what would happen then? And obviously any answer I give, this is, this is in the field of total speculation, okay? This is not biblical. This is just, you know, kind of reasoning through it. Uh, when you look at the story of Adam and Eve and how God, obviously He, he gave each of them punishments, and then he even gave them, after the punishment, he, uh, of course, uh, kicked them out of the garden. But, but after, in that process, it says the Lord made animal skins. He, he clothed them, he, which is a measure of grace, right, that came through a sacrifice. The animal had to die, give its life. 
Uh, the Lord fashioned some sort of garment for Adam and Eve now to cover their nakedness. So they're still being punished, but even through that, God is providing grace and showing a way uh, through a sacrifice. And this, of course, uh, foreshadows the, the ultimate picture that a Savior... Uh, that a way of grace would come by means of a sacrifice. And that's the story of the whole Bible. I mean, the whole book is about God, God's plan for redeeming human beings, uh, making a way of grace by means of a sacrifice. So, in my mind, that would probably still have had to happen to Eve. If, if she had uh, been the only one to sin, she probably still would have had a punishment. Uh, uh, whether they could have, I mean, would have Adam remained in the garden? We don't know. I mean, how would that have worked? Um, God would have worked all that out, and maybe the punishment would have been appropriate so that you know Adam could continue to be in relationship with Him. We just don't know. But uh, God's heart has always been uh, His not His desire is not that Adam or Eve or either either one of them by themselves would perish. He always provided a way of salvation. When the whole world was in sin, God provided a way of salvation through Noah and his family and the ark. I mean, God always sought to provide a way for human beings to find Him and to return to Him. And so my, my uh, thinking on that is God would still find a way. Perhaps it would still require a Savior. Um, and uh, certainly... Uh, it would require a means of salvation by way of a sacrifice. So that's my speculation. If you want to ask a speculative question, that's what you get as a speculative answer, okay? Uh, let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We see the, the, the result of sin, but we also see God's response to sin has always been providing a way out. So that's my best shot at it. Steve, you want to take a shot? <laughs> well, since I just answered a question about divorce and remarriage, that was my first thought. Was, I guess we'd have had the first divorce, you know, because <laughs> they got thrown out of the garden for sinning. So. Sure. Uh, I guess Eve would have got thrown out and Adam would have stayed and then the problem would be remarriage would have yeah. been real tough. That would have been uh, unusual. Because <laughs> Eve yeah. was the only one around. So Now we're going to uh, get questions about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's not a not a funny topic. It's yeah, yeah. a hypothetical topic. Sure. But uh, like you said, when you ask a hypothetical, you get people <laughs> to thinking crazy things. So, sure. Uh, nope, it didn't happen, and we don't know what would have happened if it happened different. Let me take just a moment and uh, share a good way to study the Bible with you. And uh, You won't find the answer to that question in these Bible study helps, but you'll find a whole lot of answers in the Bible study tools that we've got at Know Your Bible, and we're happy to share them with you. <clears throat> we've got lots of courses that we'll send to you in the mail. Here's one of them. It's the first one, and it's a good basic non-denominational overview of the Bible. Thousands of people have gone through this over the years and know a lot more about their Bible. Uh, many of them choose to go on to some of our more advanced courses and learn a, a lot more about the Bible. And recently we've added some online courses that are a good way to study without waiting for the mail or filling out paper lessons. You can do it uh, on your uh, phone even and just study the Bible that way. So all of those tools are available to you, all absolutely free of charge. There's a phone number and a website at the bottom of our screen. Uh, you can use those if you want that online one. Use that uh, www.oneway.worldbibleschool.org that was up there, and that'll get you on the uh, digital way to study the Bible. So, uh, 
use whatever one you want and learn something more about your Bible. All right, got a question about judgment. Since we will appear before God to be judged for everything we've done, thought, or failed to do, uh, will we have to answer for sins we committed after becoming a Christian? All right, and let's just go back to the basics here. I think uh, people have a picture of judgment uh, as God sitting behind the great white throne and there being a set of scales up there and he lists off uh, all of the good things we've done all of the good thoughts we've had all of the uh, good deeds we've done and then he lists off all the bad things we've done and every bad thought we ever had and every bad word we ever said and, and he drops those weights in the different sides of the scale and when he's all done reviewing our life uh, we sit back and look at which way is the scale tipping, and if it goes just a little bit good, then okay, you can go to heaven. If it goes a little bit bad, well, then you go to hell. Uh, that is not the way judgment's going to work. That's kind of the picture that we have, I think. And there are some verses that make us think that. Uh, Matthew twelve thirty seven says that we, people will have to give an answer for every idle word that they speak. Well, if you read the context, uh, he was talking to the uh, Pharisees who had just accused him of doing miracles by the power of Satan. And he said, you know, you're going to be judged for every careless word you speak. Uh, he was telling them that, hey, <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking some dangerous stuff there. Uh, so there are some verses that make us think judgment is a matter of scales. But if we look at a bigger picture, uh, what is salvation about and what does Christ's death do for us when we become a Christian, uh, it takes away our sin. It clothes us with the holiness of Christ. And that's why Paul could say things like this in Romans chapter 8, which I think is a good way to think about judgment. Paul says, therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of sin and death is the old scale picture. Now you do good, you get some good points, but you do bad and you've broken the whole law. And Paul says we're free from that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I think at judgment, those who are in Christ, it's not going to be a long process. Uh, I think Jesus will say, this one's mine, and enter in. Now, there are going to be people arguing at judgment. Jesus told us that. There's going to be people on that day that say, hold it now, we did this, and we did this good thing, and all that. And he's going to say, I never knew you. On them, there may be some listing of all the idle words and everything else we think about sometimes. Uh, but I think a better way to think about judgment is that a Christian, there's no condemnation. Now, will we be held accountable for sins we committed after becoming a Christian? The blood of Christ takes care of those sins. That's a little more detailed question we'll cover that some other time but yes we sin after we become Christians if we say we don't sin we're a liar <laughs> John says 
So the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from those sins. So hopefully that's a better way to think about judgment. And uh, we'll talk about the blood of Christ some other time. We'll get into, get into more detail on that. But that's enough on that question probably. Okay. All right. Uh, if you would like to know a question about uh, sort of their entertainment options, is it a sin to go to a bar just to listen to music without drinking or smoking? Well, my view on that is um, it's not a sin unless you sin. Um, uh, we certainly live in a world full of sinful people and sinful activities, and you know, especially those of us who are following Christ, uh, we have to navigate that. You know, we can't just completely remove ourselves from the world. My question, sort of in response to the question, is what good is going to come from that? You know, is um, if you're just going to listen to music. You don't have to do that in a bar. Um, if you're just going to, um, you know, just to hear the good music, there's other ways to do that. There's probably a lot more temptation to to sin, even if you don't sin specifically. But you're you're putting yourself in an environment that could be very tempting for you. Um, so we have to think about that. Now I'm approaching this as you are asking as a Christ follower. First um, Thessalonians 5.22. Let's look at that on the screen. Also, Ephesians 4.27. Give us some instruction. Flee from the very appearance of evil. Okay, uh, Ephesians 4.27. Give no opportunity to the devil. Okay, so so you you can go to environments where there is sinful activity happening and taking place, and you can be in that environment and technically not sin. But what you might be doing, especially if you choose to go there, right? Sometimes you get drug along and you end up in a bad bad environment that's not really a, your decision. But if you're sitting down to choose and, and you you're sitting down, and you're asking this question, <laughs> so you're thinking about it. All right, you have to think. Okay, am I giving an opportunity to the devil? Am I, am I putting myself just as close to the line of temptation, to the line of sin as I can get? And that's not the right attitude to have. Okay? Christians, Christ followers, when we see sin happening, we see a sinful environment, we see darkness, is what Jesus would call it, we, we get as far away from that as possible. Okay? That's our, our goal there. Now, again, sometimes light finds people of light find themselves in dark places. I understand that, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're sinning. But generally speaking, you do well to flee from the very appearance of evil and avoid giving an opportunity to the devil. And that just means you have to use discernment and think uh, through your ways. Now, some people say, well, I, I get all legalistic and all of that. Okay, well, this is about wisdom here, not, not about rule following, okay? Let's look at what Paul said to the church at Corinth. And this is a church that had problems. And they had some people who would come out of some sinful situations. And uh, what, what he said to them was in response to their objections. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24 is on the screen. I have the right to do anything. They had written this to Paul or objected to Paul's you know, saying to avoid evil. Well, Paul says, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. Our freedom in Christ. But not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Okay, and and that's very wise here. We have to ask: Is this beneficial? 
Is this going to build me up in my faith? Is this going to make me a better Christian? Is this going to help my example as a Christ follower? If I've got a friend who's in the world and they're at that bar and they're seeing me at that bar, are they going to see any difference in me as a Christ follower that would make them want to follow Jesus? Is this constructive? Is this helpful? Is this wise? That's what Paul's saying. Think about it just a little bit. Uh, And don't just think about your own good, what you want to do, but think about the good of others. Okay, so just just some things to think. Technically, it's not a sin unless you sin, but there's many more things to think about than just the, the, the legalistic, you know, am I crossing that line or not and all of that. I want you to think, is it beneficial? Is it wise? Is it constructive? Does it affect my influence in my example? Hope that helps you. All right, good answer. Angels and us, let's figure that out. If we were made a little lower than the angels, well, we'd be higher than the angels in heaven. Uh, well, the Bible does say man was made a little lower than the angels, so there's some kind of difference there right now. Uh, and how about when we get to heaven? Are we going to be elevated higher than the angels? The Bible does not give us an organization chart. Uh, doesn't show us the hierarchy of exactly how heaven's going to work. And when I first thought about that question, I popped into my mind, I cannot foresee myself uh, ordering Gabriel and Michael around. You know, Michael, go do this for me. Uh, Gabriel, come here. Uh, that's just not the way <laughs> heaven's going to work. Uh, I can't imagine that. So uh, us being higher than the angels, I think it's kind of a, a moot point. In the eternal kingdom, uh, it's going to be so different than anything that we know. I mean, we're down here on earth, we're obsessed with who's over who and who's higher than this and all that. Uh, the eternal kingdom, I think, is going to be a pretty equal place, pretty egalitarian operation. And who's higher than who will probably never enter our minds. I think we'll get along just fine with, with all the angels. And uh, Gabriel can tell me what to do if he wants to, probably, <laughs> up there. All right, let me invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. Uh, we're sponsored by the Churches of Christ, and here's two in western Kansas that are good friends of Know Your Bible, Great Bend Church of Christ and Scott City Church of Christ. Uh, both help support this program. We appreciate them and the work they do in their communities. Uh, we invite you to visit them. If you live in one of those communities, drop in and tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. Uh, any community you're watching in, there's probably a Church of Christ near you. Drop in and tell them you found about the, out about them on Know Your Bible. All right, got time for one more quickly? Yeah, absolutely. If every if viewer asks, if everyone was killed by the flood, where did Noah's sons get wives uh, to replenish the earth? Well, the answer to that is found right there in the Scripture. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. God said, I'm going to destroy, I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. You and with, and you will enter the ark. You, and your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. So, the answer to that is uh, they all got on the ark. They all found the the way of salvation in that particular time, and that's uh, how we're all here today. So, good questions right there in Genesis six seventeen and eighteen. Yep, they already had wives, and our viewer must have missed that somewhere. That- yep thinking they, they didn't Already have wives there. yet. They, yep. they did. And, uh, in fact, the New Testament says 
can't remember the verse, but eight souls were saved. Yep. So yep. Noah and his sons and all their wives were That's there. All right. All right, we're glad you've been with us today. We're out of time for any new questions, but we do want to get our trivia question answered, so let's cover that one. How many brothers did Joseph have? Well, uh, kind of a trick question. Actually, he had 11 that we call his brothers. Uh, Only one of them was his full brother because his dad had uh, children from a number of different wives. Joseph and Benjamin were the only two full brothers. Uh, then he had 10 other half-brothers. So that's the answer to that one. We're glad you've been with us today. Uh, we hope we got your question answered. If not, we hope you come back next week and we'll get to it. We're glad you've been with us and hope that you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.